Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. Can people really change? It's a question that usually doesn't matter much when a relationship begins, but as we get deeper into connection with another person, we start to notice all those things that maybe we wish were a little bit different, or we stumble across major things that have to change in order for our relationship to continue. In today's episode, we'll talk about whether or not people can really truly change, and what to do when change seems required in order for your relationship to continue. In case you missed our last episode, episode 200, with Adrienne Marie Brown, talking about her new book, Pleasure Activism, definitely check that out when you have a chance. And I also wanted to announce that we are doing Relationship Alive Live, again, in October, on October 12th, it's a Saturday night, here in Portland, Maine. And this time we are featuring John and Julie Gottman together. You'll get the opportunity to ask the world's top relationship experts your questions, as well as hear some tunes from an as-yet-to-be-determined musical guest. It'll be a powerful night, just like the last one, and seating is reserved. So visit neilsatin.com slash live show to get more information and get your tickets. I'm also really excited to let you know that the beta version of my Secrets of Relationship Communication course is finally complete. For more information on how to get in on the beta group, if you're listening to this around now, which is August 2019, just start by downloading my free guide to my top three relationship communication secrets. These three simple tips will get you started on the path to deeper connection, no matter how complicated the topic. And once you get the guide, I'll follow up with information on how to get the full course. And if you're listening to this later than August 2019, just know that it may no longer be the beta. It may be the full-blown deal. So either way, it's a win for you. It takes a village to keep things going here at Relationship Alive headquarters, and I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank those of you who have recently supported the podcast with your donations. Jordan, Kent, Alana, Sarah, Deb, Mira, Joseph, Ruthanna, and Karen, thank you all so much for your support. And if you are finding Relationship Alive to be helpful for you and those you love, please consider contributing whatever feels right for you. Every little bit counts. Just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And lastly, if you'd like to connect with others who listen to Relationship Alive in a safe space where you can talk about what's going on for you, Come join the Relationship Alive community on Facebook. Okay, that's it. Let's get on with the show. This episode is happening in two parts. First, let's tackle whether or not people can really, truly change. It's a good question because... We bump up against things in others or in ourselves all the time. 
And it's true, right? This is a question as much for ourselves as for other people. Because when we discover something about us that ain't so pretty or that doesn't really work well in relationship, it's helpful to know whether or not there's really any chance of it shifting, especially if it feels like it's something that's been with you for a long time. So can you actually change and can the others in your life actually change? Well, the evidence supports the evidence in my life and in the life of my clients and in uh, empirically uh, driven research that others like the Gottmans have done. Yes, people can change and relationships can change. It is possible. But let's get really clear about change and what kinds of change are possible and what kinds of change aren't possible. This is something that's particularly noticeable for me as a parent, because when my two kiddos, when each of them was born, they were who they are in many respects. When I look at either of them right now and I talk to them and interact with them and we hang out and we do our stuff, there's not much difference between who they are now at ages 10 and 12 and who they were literally when they were born, when I first started to feel their essence coming through, which for me has been pretty amazing to experience, right? There's that whole nature versus nurture debate. And what I've come to discover is that while there is some nurture involved, and that's what, of course, we're going to be talking about in terms of whether or not we can change as adults, there is a whole lot of nature involved as well. And I think one of the biggest challenges has to be figuring out whether what you're dealing with in yourself or another person is something that is part of your nature or their nature, or if it's something that is adjustable. Because if you're working on changing something that is truly at the core of who you are or who another person is, you're going to have a really hard time changing it. So, it's a question worth asking whenever you're dealing with changing something. Is this part of the core of my essence, the core of your essence, or is this just something that you've learned over time that needs to be changed? Or let's get even a little bit more refined about this question. Is this an aspect of your essence that's just being expressed in a certain way? And can it be expressed in a different way. You've probably heard me talk about on the show before about how almost everything we do, perhaps everything we do, is driven by our desire to satisfy our needs. And often we can think that our needs are happening at this relatively surface level. It would be like me saying, I need to eat a burrito at least twice a week because I grew up eating burritos or because I love burritos and I just want burritos. And it's possible that 
it would really be awesome for me to have a burrito twice a week. But deeper than the burrito is my need for nutrition, my need to be fed. And how I am fed and how healthy that is or isn't is probably a more important question than whether or not I'm getting a burrito. But it can be really easy to fixate on the burritos of our lives, those things that we think are so super important, when in reality, they may not be that crucial to your survival or to your survival, your thriving in life. But that being said, by the time that you are listening to this podcast, you're probably, you've probably got some years under your belt, some years of responding to life in particular ways, showing up in particular ways, interacting with others, expecting things from others, how you show up for other people's expectations. All of those things can become fairly well ingrained by the time you are an adult in relationships with other people and making your way in the world. The way I look at it is this. If there are things that we've learned in our lives in some fashion, and almost everything that we do is something that we've learned. Now we've learned it in response to getting our basic needs met, but it's something that we learned then those things can be changed. If it's something that you didn't do when you were five, but you now do that you're 25 or 35 or 45 or 55, then you can change that thing. You can. And I see it all the time in my clients and in my own life. However, change isn't always easy. And there are some crucial ingredients that need to be addressed in order for change to actually happen. So when you're dealing with this question of whether or not you can change or whether or not someone important in your life is actually going to be able to change, there's a deeper level of questioning that you're going to need to do to know whether or not it's possible and to know how to Uh, how to proceed. The way I see it, there are two main kinds of change. The first kind of change are the things that just sort of happen over the course of our living our lives, where by the results of just doing what we do, We develop and grow and shift. Those things happen. So you can look at the place that you are in the present and you can see it as the results of where you've been in the past. And you are probably different than you were in the past. So change has actually happened whether you were trying or not. The second kind of change is more directed change, where you recognize that there's something that you want to be different in some way, and you make a concerted effort to change that thing. And what's really amazing is when you can align the two of those things, when you can figure out what you want to change because there's some sort of problem, but you can line up 
the way that you change with things that you are already doing in your life. A simple example of this, you've probably heard about when you want to change a habit or you want to add a new habit, you attach it to a habit that you already have. So for me, a a kind of silly but important example of this relatively recently is I decided I wanted to develop the habit of flossing regularly. It's not that I never used to floss, but it's a little embarrassing to reveal that I didn't floss all that often. And honestly, now that I do floss all the time, I don't know how people manage to be around me. So I definitely recommend flossing regularly if you're not already doing it. But the way that I learned to floss regularly was to simply do it whenever I brushed my teeth at night. So, and I floss before I brush my teeth. That to me seems like the most hygienic way to go about it, though I know not everyone does it that way. Um, so for me, I, when I go in to pick up my toothbrush at night, it started where I'd pick up my toothbrush and then I'd say, no, wait a minute, I'm going to floss. And I'd put my toothbrush down and I'd pick up the floss and I would floss. And this happened for probably a couple weeks until I came in and I started going for the floss as the first thing that I did. And over time, and it's been months now, it has become just another habit that I do. So that's an example of attaching something new to something I was already doing. It evolved out of my natural habits. But there are things that are not necessarily quite like that. Like you might want to develop a new exercise regimen, or you want to maybe try to figure out how to not be such a negative person, or you're hoping that your partner will stop being argumentative with you and instead understand you and get on your side. So these are some potentially really significant changes, especially if they represent ingrained ways of being with each other. You know, if your partner is the kind of person who always responds to what you say or do by being the devil's advocate or by being argumentative or you offer them feedback, they take it as criticism and get defensive, then you are going to need to be a little bit more intentional about how you are going to change and realistic about that process. So I want to tell you more about that so you know what's in store for you. I don't want it to be a big surprise. I want you to actually know what you're signing up for when big change is on the horizon. But at this moment, I want you to just have it in mind like, okay, change is possible. When I look at my partner and I see that what they're doing is not an expression of their core being, but it's simply a way that they've learned to be in the world, then I know somewhere deep down change is possible. Now, of course, it would be a little presumptuous of me to say, okay, in this episode, we're going to cover exactly how you change. I mean, that's what the purpose of this whole podcast is. And you could probably take, you know, at least a third of the podcasts out there and you could devote your life to listening to how you're going to change. So we're not going to be able to cover everything, but there are some key points around change and just being in the right mindset for change that are super important for you. And we are going to cover those in a moment. 
But first, I'd like to talk about today's sponsors. Our first sponsor for today is Noemi, and they have a special offer for you as a Relationship Alive listener on their exquisite jewelry. Their pieces are made to last a lifetime, perfect for today and an heirloom that your family will treasure far into the future. Noemi is handcrafted in the finest materials, reclaimed 18 karat gold, conflict-free stones, and lab-grown diamonds, and it's all priced as fairly as possible because they've eliminated the middle person. Also, they ship to you overnight for free so that you can try it on and have up to 60 days to return for free with a full refund. So trying something from their site to see how it feels and looks on you is completely risk-free. And as I mentioned, they have a special offer for you. Head to hellonoemi.com. That's the word hello, followed by N-O-E-M-I-E dot com. And use the coupon code ALIVE for $75 off your order today. And if you want this as a gift from someone, don't make them guess. Go ahead and tell them what you want with their drop a hint option, which is on every product page. That's $75 off with the coupon code ALIVE at hellonoemi.com. Our second sponsor is Native Deodorant. Now, you might be surprised at just how much time Chloe and I have put into finding a deodorant that not only works but that doesn't have any harsh ingredients or overpowering fragrances. We like to smell each other. We just don't want to smell bad. And that's where Native comes in. Their products are filled with ingredients you can find in nature, like coconut oil, which is antimicrobial, shea butter to moisturize, and tapioca starch to absorb wetness. They don't ever test on animals. They don't use aluminum or any other scary chemical ingredients. And they are so confident that you'll like their deodorant that they offer free shipping and returns. So Chloe has actually been using their unscented deodorant for a while. And I recently decided to give it a try because I wanted to really put it to the test. And so hopefully this isn't too much information, along with the flossing from earlier. I put their deodorant on after having gone a day without wearing any deodorant or showering. Now, of course, that never happens, but it happened to happen that day. And I just wanted to see how it would do. So not only did it neutralize everything on the spot, it was still working hours and hours later when it was time to go to bed. Did I mention that this was the unscented version? So I didn't even cover it up with anything, though I am curious about some of their other scents like coconut and vanilla or cucumber and mint. It's such a relief to find something that not only works when I'm fresh out of the shower, but also can help me out after an absent-minded day when I somehow forgot to apply deodorant when I got dressed in the morning. And Chloe has also been raving about how amazingly native deodorant has been working for her, too. So Native Deodorant has a special offer for you to give them a try. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com slash alive and use the promo code alive during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com slash alive and using the promo code alive during checkout. And thank you, Native and Noemi, for keeping us sweet-smelling and well-adorned 
and for your support of Relationship Alive. And now let's get back to some of the nitty gritty about how to deal with whether or not change is actually possible for you or your partner in your relationship. Now, one important thing that I forgot to mention earlier is that we are constantly in a system. We are responding to being part of a system with the other people in our lives. So one important aspect of whether or not change can happen is, let's say you're looking for a change in your partner. The question is, how will your partner respond when you start changing? This is something that we've spoken about on the show before. I just wanted to make sure that we didn't forget about it, that when you change your steps in the dance, your partner will have to change their steps. Either that or there will be some big missteps and calamity. Now, I'm saying that kind of lightly. It can be actually quite a painful thing when you start to change how you operate if your partner doesn't adjust what they're doing, because it can be very confusing for for them. Generally, the way that we are in our relationships evolves again over time. And so something changing it can be kind of discombobulating and our, our partners may not really know how to respond to that. So we need to show up compassionately and, and maybe help them or help them understand what kinds of things are, are changing. That compassion is a, an important part of the change equation, I think. So now that we've covered that, because what I'm about to say will help you even if you want your partner to change because you can do these things and then wait to see what happens with your partner. That's a big part of the communication course that I just created. I isolated all the ways that when we're communicating with someone else where we can actually have an impact. So if you're waiting for your partner to change the way that they communicate with you, that could be a really long wait. But you could make changes in how you communicate that almost require your partner to respond in a different way. So that's the whole premise of the communication course that I just did. All the ways that you can change you and then you see what happens with your partner. And you want to show up for that in a way that's inviting and generative. And even then, if you're doing that and your partner just resists and wants to revert back to the old way and can't make any change and you can't find some way to uh, to broach the subject or bridge the gap, then that could be a sign that your relationship can't actually grow uh, in a new direction that's important to you. So that's just something to bear in mind. When we start to shift, if the relationship can't shift too, and if our partner can't shift along with us, then that can create problems. And that's why often we want everything to be the same until suddenly it uh, becomes a problem for one or both of us. So we want everything to be same and safe. And then all of a sudden uh, we can look at the big landscape of our lives and be like, oh my gosh, like this is not what I had intended. So let's see if we can gauge the potential for change. Now that we know that change is possible, what about the potential for change? One thing that's key is the desire to change. And maybe even before that is the recognition that there's something that needs changing. 
Now, this comes up a lot in relationships where one person has a big problem and the other person thinks there's no problem. So then that becomes a communication problem because one, the there's the inner work that the person with the problem might need to do just to kind of get to the heart of what the problem actually is. And on the flip side, once we've gotten to the heart of what the problem actually is, now we need a way to communicate about that with our partners that helps them come up the curve to what is going on, what the problem is, in a way that actually makes it possible for them to do something about it. And hopefully to recognize, oh yeah, even though that wasn't a problem for me, that is definitely a problem because it is a problem for my partner. And that can bring up some existential questions because when confronted with information like that, it would be normal for anyone to say, well, wait a minute, is this thing important to me? Like maybe the fact that it's a a problem for my partner means something deeper for me about whether or not I want to be in this relationship. So all of that is actually quite legitimate and they're helpful questions to ask even though they make everyone really really uncomfortable because through asking those questions you can get to a deeper commitment and that deeper commitment is the second piece so we have um change uh we we have requirement 0.5 which was recognition of something that needs to be changed then we have recognition one which is the Um, or requirement number one, which is the desire to change. And then the next thing is the willingness to commit to a process, something, anything. Now, when there's something major going on, it's tempting to want big change to happen really quickly. The third requirement when you're assessing is the willingness to be patient, So there's something alluring and enticing about taking massive action. That's, you know, the big kind of buzz phrase around changing things. And it's true. You have to do something different. We'll talk about that in a moment in order for change to happen. But the the real changes, the changes that actually take over time are the ones that are small and incremental and that add up. Every so often you can get a windfall change, a lottery kind of change, a lightning strikes kind of change. Um, maybe not lightning striking because that's can be kind of uncomfortable, but you get the idea. You can get those big things and suddenly it's abrupt and it's different and, and that sticks. But most of the time it's going to be something like learning how to floss your teeth regularly, developing a new habit, because the way that we are is the result, as we were saying earlier, of our habits of being. So more or less any change that you're going to do represents a change in your habits. And to change those things, you need to make small changes that are doable and sustainable. Okay. So the next thing is figuring out whether or not there's a willingness for new input. Now, we can have our own ideas about what kind of new input is required, but sometimes how we would approach a problem is not necessarily the best thing for our partners. It could be that the way our partners approach problems is part of the problem. Uh, So that could be a bridge that you have to cross. However, 
most likely what you'd want to gauge is your will, the willingness of your partner to hear you to whether or not they want to even hear suggestions about what might be helpful. And maybe they will and maybe they won't. But if they've recognized that there's a problem, if they've, if they've committed to the process, if they have a desire to change, if they have a willingness to be patient, to recognize, okay, I'm dedicated to this and it's going to take time, then the question is, what will they do that introduces new information into the system, new ways of acting? Because even the smallest change can and will make an enormous difference over time. But nothing will happen unless you expose yourself to new perspectives. So that's part of the willingness as well, willingness to try something new, even if it's something small. And I invite you to not be prescriptive about what that has to be, but instead to be more in process with yourself or with your partner and to invite their creativity. And both of you can get collaborative and creative about how to do things differently. It's one of the best ways to collaborate, actually. And lastly, something that I touched on a moment ago it's funny, this this conversation about change keeps coming back onto itself, and there's something kind of magical about that when that happens, I think, is this key ingredient of compassion. So finding the place in you where love resides, where compassion resides, and having that for yourself, for how challenging it can be to want to change and not have changed how challenging it can be for you to want your partner to change and to have the change becoming super slowly for um, compassion when there are setbacks because setbacks will happen. But then can you ask in the middle of a setback, how can I support you? There's been a setback. I'm not going to blame you for it. I'm not going to freak out. I'm just going to ask you, how is there a way that I can support you? I'm noticing you. I notice that you're trying. I notice that you're putting in the effort. How can I support you? And hopefully responding that way for yourself and for your partner keeps you both engaged in the process in that collaborative spirit. So if you find that you have, and I don't think there's, there probably is a scientific way of measuring these things, but I'm going to say if you have at least a few of these characteristics going for you or your partner does, then you're on the right track because you can combine them in a new and novel way to get the others. Recognition of a problem, desire to do something about it, willingness to commit to a process, some process, being in process together. It's a journey. It's, it, you can enjoy the destination when you get there, but then once you've gotten there, there's going to be another journey. So it helps to learn to enjoy and savor the journey and to recognize that the challenges of the journey are all part of the process, how you show up and how your partner shows up for that part of the process. Willingness to be patient with each other, to take small steps, big steps when they make sense, maybe a calculated risk, but when there's no big calculated risk that you can take, do something small. Just don't do nothing, because if you do nothing, nothing will change, right? And compassion, compassion for yourself, compassion for your partner, compassion for the other people in your lives who are dealing with all of this change. 
And if you can hear that airplane, let's have a little compassion for the pilot who has no idea that they just interrupted the recording of the end of this episode of Relationship Alive. It's been great to spend this time with you today. I always appreciate being with you. Next week, we will be joined by Jeff Brown, whose recent book, Grounded Spirituality, takes on some of the spiritual bypassing that's going on out there and gets to a place where we can really ground ourselves in who we are as beings in this world and what our missions are and how we can bring that into connection within, connection with something greater, and especially connection with your partner. After all, this is Relationship Alive, isn't it? As always, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is neilius, N-E-I-L-I-U-S, at neilsatin.com. I cannot always reply, but I will always read what you send. And if I can do it in an anonymous fashion, I will maybe make whatever you write into the topic for another podcast episode. In the meantime, take care, and I will see you next week. Thank you.